Well, hello there, wonderful teachers. I want to invite you to an event we're doing this summer. It's in Cincinnati, Ohio, so you have to be able to make it there, but it might be worth traveling for if you're able to. It's happening on July 20th and 21st, so that's over a weekend, and it's going to be the best two days for teachers. We're going to have a ton of fun. We're going to learn a lot about pedagogy and creative teaching and business. We have two fabulous guest speakers and we're even going to finish with an optional Kaylee. That's an Irish dancing party. So I hope you'll be able to join me. Just go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo that's dot com slash t-u-r-b-o 24 the numbers two four. I hope you'll check it out view all the details there and I hope to see you in Cincinnati in July. On with the episode. Vibrant, vibrant, vibrant music teaching. Proven and practical tips, strategies, and ideas for music, music teachers. teachers. Welcome to episode 75 of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I'm Nicola Canton, and this is the fourth episode in a series about the essential ingredients of well balanced music lessons. If you're a regular listener to the podcast and you listen each week as new episodes come out, first of all, thank you for your support. Second of all, I hope you'll bear with me while I fill the others in. So this is the fourth episode in a series about essential music lesson ingredients. And it really is recommended that you listen to this seven episode series in order as a series because they really are intended that way. So if you go back to episode 72, that's the beginning of this series where we talk about why we're doing this series and what the objective is and the first music lesson ingredient, the essential ingredient, which is music reading. So we've talked about music reading, ear training and technique so far. And this week we're diving into music theory. This is a topic which tends to conjure up an image of boring worksheets with no real purpose to them. So no shame if you're using worksheets, I use them sometimes too. But music theory is much more than just worksheets, isn't it? In fact, music theory is extremely important to teach if we're going to create well-rounded holistic musicians. Music theory is so important to teach because if our students do not understand theory, if they don't understand what they're doing, and by that I do not mean reading exclusively, I mean actual music theory, the basis of music. If they don't understand what they're doing, then we're not creating real musicians. We're just creating parrots or pirates. We're creating people who can imitate other people or who can, mm, let's say, borrow from other people, right? Pirates and pirates. And that's not what we want to create. We want to make independent learners who know what they're doing and can apply that knowledge without us after they've stopped taking lessons. So, we talked about this previously in the first episode of this series. It's definitely applicable here too. If students have strong knowledge of music theory, they can take that and they can use it for the rest of their lives. If they're used to just imitating what we say and taking our answers as gospel, they can't. 
They can't use that later. They're going to have to go and do some extra learning outside of lessons after they finish in order to be able to learn music by themselves, to improvise, to compose their own music, to do whatever, whatever it is they want to do. They can't do that if they don't understand what they're playing. And that's what music theory really means to me. So as I mentioned, if students understand music theory, they can create their own music more easily. There's this part of the Leaving Cert curriculum here, which is our final tests when we're leaving school. So at the end of high school, you take these tests. They're, they're evolving all the time, and I think they're improving on this at the moment. But as it stands, or as it stood when my last student went through the Leaving Cert, there's a composing exercise in the paper, in the exam. And basically, they follow this formula. It's so strict. It's, you know, do one chord for this many bars, do four chord, then do five, then do six. I don't know what the formula is, but it's something like that. Modulate at exactly bar seven in this exact way using the leading. It, you know, it's all really, really prescriptive and it is not composing. I'm sorry. There's nothing creative about it. It is a formula. It's like the theorems that we prove in maths papers, right? That's what it reminds me of when it's described to me anyway by students. So that's what they call composing on this exam, and that's not what I call composing, because it doesn't really show an understanding of music. It shows an ability to follow exact instructions, and that's not understanding. So when I say that great music theory teaching will lead students to be able to compose their own music, I mean they can generally start it from scratch. They can understand what other people are doing and apply that in new ways and actually get creative with it. Understanding music theory really well will also help them to adapt to other instruments. So many teachers that I know play multiple instruments, even just for fun. And most lifelong musicians, actually, now that I think about it, that I know, people who genuinely play music regularly for their own enjoyment, play multiple instruments at some level, and they enjoy picking up new ones. And I believe the reason they can do that is because they understand what they're doing. Now, picking up a new instrument also helps you understand music in a new way. But if you don't really understand what you're doing at the piano, if you're just following dots on a page and doing them as prescribed, and then you pick up a guitar, you're not really going to have a clue what it's about, are you? But I don't think you would. Because, you know, the notation is different, that's not going to be there for you. If you don't understand chord structures and harmony and how things are built, you can't do much with the guitar. But if you do understand those things and someone tells you about, okay, this is where the notes are and the frets, this is how you make new notes with the fret, you could probably pick it up pretty fast, right? It makes sense. Now, you'd still need to practice to get proficient at actually playing it, and that goes back to the technique we talked about last week, but you'd understand it pretty quick. So, teaching music theory really well helps students to become not parrots or pirates, but their own creative, independent musicians, and it helps them to be able to play other instruments down the track or sing well or sing in choirs, all of that stuff, if they understand this stuff. What does it mean to teach theory properly then? Because, as I said, it's not just worksheets or workbooks. Workbooks have their place, I believe, and I have my own series called Thinking Theory, which I use with my students, but that's not all of teaching theory. That doesn't count as teaching it. If students are going to really understand music theory, they're going to need much more than that, to have a thorough understanding and to create what I call flexible knowledge. 
So what do I mean by flexible knowledge? Flexible knowledge is understanding or learning that you can apply in a new context. So if you've ever had a student who they can tell you that it's middle C on a worksheet, but then you go to the piano and they don't know anymore, and it's in the context of repertoire, just as a simple example, that's not flexible, it's inflexible. And knowledge becomes more flexible if we apply it in new contexts, lots of contexts. And this is why I've landed on using, yes, using workbooks, but also using a lot of music theory games, because that helps students to think about things in a new way, in a new light. And by thinking about things in a new way, by using a game to manipulate these concepts and move them around and interplay them with each other, you're able to understand that on a much deeper level. It's not just a definition or something that you're saying back that you were told to say. It's an actual understanding, no matter what concept we're talking about. Alongside this, we also need to be teaching students in what I call a spiral structure. I don't know if this is a real word name for it if or if I heard the idea and then invented my own name. But <laughs> a spiral structure is what I've based my own theory workbooks on and it's what it's the frustration that I felt that led me to create my own theory workbooks. What I mean by a spiral structure is that concepts are introduced and then revisited at intervals all of the time, which sounds like such a basic thing, but I have met so many workbooks that you open them up and they give you five pages of intervals, and then for the rest of the book, there's no work on intervals. So yes, you could create your own spiral structure by flipping back and forth between these chapters, but stuff needs review. You can't just assume you can teach it in one huge chunk and then move on from it. You have to be looping back on stuff. So whether you're using workbooks or theory games or whatever way you're teaching music theory, make sure it has that spiral built into it so that concepts are revisited and revisited in new ways so that it, the learning becomes flexible and they come back to again and again so that students don't forget about stuff and then get tested on it either formally or just by you saying, do you remember what this is called? And of course they don't know because they haven't heard about it in three months. And when they did, it was all in one giant batch, right? So that's my goal with teaching of theory to my students is that they, I'm creating flexible knowledge and that I'm spiraling in on concepts so that they understand and can recall them over a long period of time. Next week, we're continuing our series. This will be the fifth and second last essential music lesson ingredient in my opinion, and that is rhythm. So I hope you'll come back next week for rhythm. Before I let you go, though, I wanted to let you know that we have a webinar coming up all about teaching lead sheets. And lead sheets can be great for helping students understand theory. So if you want to sign up for that, you can go to vibrantmusicteaching.com slash lead. That's L-E-A-D. So vibrantmusicteaching.com slash lead to sign up for the webinar. I hope to see you there. If you're interested in the idea of teaching music theory through games, but you're not sure where to start, or you don't have quite the right resources to do it, then you need to become a Vibrant Music Teaching member. Go to vmt.ninja and sign up.
Thanks for listening to this episode of the Vibrant Music Teaching Podcast. I hope you loved it and I wanted to pop on here one more time to remind you about our event. It's happening in Cincinnati this July and you can get all the details at vibrantmusicteaching.com slash turbo. See you there.